Um, I've got a couple of um, sort of pastoral notes I want to give before we go into the message. Thanks. Can I introduce you to Jane, my beautiful wife? Yay. That's not the best part of the message right there, but that's close to it. Um, just a couple of pastoral notes. We've been talking about elders for the last month and a half or so. So you all uh, have nominated some elders. We've, as elders and staff, have considered those names, prayed and talked to each other. We are now formally nominating three people for the position of elder starting uh, later this month in January in the church. Those people are Judy Gilbert, Keith Calhoun, and Anita Nix. So what happens now um, is you all get to pray about the three of them. If you know them, you talk to them. Um, if you know things about them that we should know, quite honestly, come talk to us. That's how everyone gets an opportunity to uh, speak into the process. And we get to know that God has called these people into eldership. So um, you'll have two weeks to talk, to pray. Anything you want to tell me or any concerns you have, you can come straight to me or talk to any other elder or staff person. And um, if no other changes, we'll be able to affirm them as elders in our congregational meeting at the end of this month. So thanks for praying uh, in that way. Second, I just thought this is kind of general kingdom good news. Uh, last Friday, Merlin Gonzalez, who used to be on staff with us here as outreach pastor at the Vineyard, now runs an organization called Faith, Hope, and Love. You may have heard of it. They plant food pantries all over the city. And they planted a food pantry at uh, Broadway and Boulevard, I think it is, um, down in the city. There's a church nearby called Tree of Life. And uh, Merlin and one of the people from the church came here on Friday. Um, they, they had 12 people become Christians at their food pantry in the last month. And um, that's great news. So people came for food and they got living bread. They got real life. And... Um, the church doesn't have a baptismal, so uh, they came to us and asked for our beautiful baptismal, which of course is the horse trough that we use uh, when we baptize people. So I prayed with Merlin and, and uh, James, and I just thought we'd pray for those people being baptized this morning and for Tree of Life and for what's going on in the city. So let's pray. <clears throat> Father in heaven, thank you um, for drawing these 12 into your family. Thank you for the faithfulness of Merlin and James and the others at the food pantry and all who volunteer. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would um, impart the power and the gifts, the filling of the Holy Spirit to those baptized this morning. I pray that it wouldn't be just 12, but that the word would go out and many more would come to know you, Jesus. We ask for your blessing on that church, Tree of Life, on uh, Merlin's ministry, on those who are getting uh, physical needs met and finding spiritual leadership in their lives through Jesus. We ask, Lord, for every church in this city this morning that gathers in the name of Jesus. We pray that you'd grant us unity and love for one another and power in this city as your people so that this city of Indianapolis and all central Indiana will know that you've sent a Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. Okay. Um, last note before we go to the message uh, radical together. I've talked about it the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're launching now 23. It was 22, but we now have a, a, a group combusted, spontaneously combusted last uh, service. 
23 groups starting uh, next Monday around the city. Um, Radical Together is a book by David Platt. It's six chapters, very challenging. Um, And I'm inviting everyone. I'm asking everyone in the church to be involved. Meaning, if you're sitting in the church, you're invited and encouraged to be involved. Meaning, if you're listening by podcast, you're invited and encouraged to be involved in a group. Why? Because we're all in this together. So we got groups all over the place. If you cannot find a group close enough to you at the right time, come to me. We will make one. And we'll find someone else for you to meet with. Because we're, we're all being called into maturity. As a vineyard church, wherever you are in the maturity scale, you're being called to step up. It's an invitation from Jesus. The promise is the power of the Holy Spirit to walk in maturity. So we want to do that. When we gather together in the name of Christ, we share with one another, we look to the scripture, we look to God in prayer, and we we commit ourselves to walk out in action in the kingdom, then everybody grows. We grow because our faith is challenged. The, um, The people out there hear the word of Jesus. People feel the compassion of God. And that's what he's called us to. So uh, please, please, please get in a group. Jesus himself has invited you. Consider that. (laughs) Um, Because though there are lots of groups and lots of places and lots of spiritual gifts represented in our church, there is one Lord, Jesus. There's one faith. And um, we're contending for that. But we're doing it together. So I want you to be a part. And someone say amen or something. Thank you. Or something. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you a brief introduction to a sermon series we're going to do in 2 Timothy. We'll spend the next 12 weeks in 2 Timothy. I'm not going to go deep into the history. If you want to know, you can find a good commentary or look online, find out a lot. In short, 2 Timothy is one of the pastoral epistles in the New Testament. Paul wrote letters to churches, Colossians, Ephesians, Galatians, That's a letter to a whole group of people. But some of his letters were written to just one person, to Peter, to Timothy, to Titus. And so this is Paul's second letter to Timothy. He calls Timothy his beloved son. So somewhere in the process of their relationship, uh, Timothy comes to faith in Christ. Paul sees him as a pastor, as a shepherd. He sets him up in ministry in Ephesus. And then Paul travels around to continue his work in the ministry. This letter from Paul to Timothy is written from Paul's second imprisonment. It's the last letter that Paul writes. And so this is kind of Paul's last instructions to his fellow pastor, to his son in the faith, to his friend. He talks about tears the last time that they were together and about his longing to to know him. The great thing about the pastoral epistles written to one person is it gives us a peek into the early church. Paul's saying, here's what I want you to do in the church. Here's how I want you to take care of your own spiritual life. And so every word that Paul gives to Timothy by the utterance of the Holy Spirit, the Lord gives to us as his people called into ministry of some sort in this world. The letter is very practical It's also very serious. And um, so I will do my best to have fun in the midst of it, but it is a call to radical discipleship. It it is a call to movement, and that's what God's called us to. So let me read from uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. It'll be on the screen. 
I'm going to read seven verses. I'm going to focus on two verses. I'm going to spend a few minutes winding my way down to, to, do, to just two things. This is the word of God. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. I've been sent out to tell others about the life he's promised through faith in Christ Jesus. I'm writing to Timothy, my dear son. May God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord give you grace, mercy, and peace. Timothy, I thank God for you. The God I serve with a clear conscience, just as my ancestors did. Night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. And I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Take a few seconds of silence and let the scripture speak to us. Holy Spirit, as you inspired this word, would you now reveal and illuminate this word? in our minds and in our hearts and plant it deep so it will grow in us into spiritual fruit for the glory of Jesus. Amen. There's a couple things to note uh, about the whole text, the first seven verses. I, I want you to see that Paul talks about faith in Timothy and then Paul talks about a gift in Timothy. And I think that it's important for us to understand that the gift and the faith are not the same thing. Paul's not angry with Timothy. Paul's not saying, you're not a believer. Paul's saying, I remember your faith. You have a solid and a real authentic faith. He's praising the faith of Timothy. But he's saying that faith is not in and of itself all alone or the end of a relationship with God. So he says, I remember your faith. It's beautiful. Lois had it. Eunice had it. You can't laugh at Eunice. as my grandmother's name. She was a saint. Unbelievable faith. Message about Eunice coming up later. <clears throat> he says, I remember the faith, and I know it's good. I know it's there. But Timothy, you got this issue. 25 times, Paul says to Timothy, through the epistles in some way or another, be bold. Don't be afraid. Don't be timid. Man up, let's go. Because Timothy had a tendency towards timidity. So Paul says, I know your faith, it's real, it's genuine, way to go. But fan into flame the gift. Fan into flame the gift. So I want you to hear this morning, if your faith, you feel like it's, it's timid, it's small, um, there's no shame on that. If your faith is put in Jesus, as small as your faith is, Jesus is huge in you. Your faith is real. Now the encouragement from the Lord today is fan into flame the gift of God that came with the faith. So people disagree about what the gift of God is. 
Paul says, fan into flame the gift of God that was given to you by the laying on of my hands. And I could go through lots of intellectual arguments about why people believe different things. I won't. Ask me questions if you want later. I think you can make a good case for the fact that the gift that Paul is talking about in Timothy is not necessarily a spiritual gift like teaching or pastor or prophecy or helps or whatever, but it's the common gift given to every believer, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about speaking in tongues. I'm talking about the gift of the presence of the Holy Spirit in every believer's life. So here is what is true about Timothy. He's saying you've got a gift, you've you've got a faith, but you've got a gift. That gift is the power of the Holy Spirit in you. So if you remember in Romans chapter eight, Paul is uh, reading uh, writing to the Romans, and he says. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Sounds a lot like what we just read in 2 Timothy 1. You've not received a spirit of fear or timidity. To the Romans, Paul goes on, Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we're God's children. Similar to what Paul says in our passage for this morning. But you've received a spirit of love, of love, of power, and of discipline. So this spirit that Paul is encouraging Timothy, fan it into flames. You've got a gift. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. If this morning you're sitting in this sanctuary and you are in Christ, meaning there was a time in your life when you trusted Jesus for your salvation. You exchanged your sins for his righteousness. You asked him to come in and cleanse you. Then this is the reality for you. You have the spirit of God. Regardless of what you feel, even what you might think, or the manifestations in your life, the spirit of God is within you. And I think it's important that we remember this is what we're being called to cultivate. Not the special gift that God's given us, by all means use those, but this intimacy with the Holy Spirit, this cooperation with God, this ability that we all have to commune with God and to hear from God and to act on God's behalf because the Holy Spirit's present within us. And um, what's the motivation? Paul gives Timothy a motivation. There's kind of a, Negative motivation and a positive motivation. The negative, why fan into flame this gift of relationship with the Holy Spirit? Because you did not receive a spirit of fear. Paul's reminding Timothy, you might feel, feel fearful, you might act fearful, but God didn't give you the spirit of fear. I think Jericho did a good job last week talking about you, you don't have the spirit of fear. Fear is illegal in the kingdom. I love that. Remember, just because God didn't give you a spirit of fear doesn't mean that someone else didn't. I had a spirit of fear. And 25 years ago, I can remember the day when I walked up after a church service full of fear. I said to the ministry team that was standing in front, I'm afraid, I feel filled with fear. My life is run by fear and not love. And they prayed for me and they cast a spirit of fear out of me. Changed my life. Didn't, didn't heal me immediately from any type of fear. 
but it opened a door for me because it broke the demonic stronghold in my life. God hadn't made that stronghold. Jesus was present. The Spirit of God was in me, but I had the spirit of fear. We broke it in the name of Jesus. If you got a spirit of fear, if you can sense it in you, it's not from God. That's encouraging. It's not from God, and it can be broken. We can tell it to go away in the name of Jesus. And then God will give you grace to crowd it out by faith and obedience in your life. That's been my life over the last 20 years, is crowding out fear with faith so I can be motivated from love and not fear. Another sermon, not going there. Thank you, Jane. So it's not just what he didn't get as his motivation to fan and to flame the gift. It's what he did get. It's what he did get. And this is what each of you have as you've trusted in Christ. Paul said, but you have received a spirit of love. You've received a spirit of power. You've received a spirit of discipline. Some translations say self-control or a sound mind. So listen to me closely. Vineyard Community Church, 2015, January 4th. Jesus lives within you individually. You have been given a spirit of love. You have it. What that means is you can love like Jesus loved. I, can't, I don't know how to get around that. You have the spirit of love from God. That means you can love like Jesus loved. It's possible. You're capable of it. It's in you. God's given you a spirit of power. And what that means is you can act as Jesus acted. You can live as Jesus lived. Jesus raised the dead. You can raise the dead. Jesus cleansed the lepers. You can cleanse the lepers. Jesus preached good news to the poor. You can preach good news to the poor. Jesus forgave unconditionally over and over the most heinous sins. And you can too. You have a spirit of power. Feel it or not, the truth is it resides within you. And you have a spirit of a sound mind. You have a spirit of a sound mind. Paul, in another place in the New Testament, he says, you have, we have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? I don't know. <laughs> but it's still true. We have the mind of Christ. So you have been given the gift of a spirit of a sound mind. Regardless of what you may think, feel, or experience, you have the ability to think and to follow Jesus, to have the wisdom of God revealed to you, and then to walk out your life in self-discipline. It's a good January message, right? You have it. Doesn't mean you won't need some help, like friends, like the power of the Holy Spirit, like conviction, like an empowered will, right? But you have it. Don't let the enemy lie to you that you don't have it, love, that you don't have it, power, that you don't have it, self-discipline. You've been given it. Um, in the blood world, I'm the universal donor, okay? Not the universal donor, a universal donor, okay? So what, what that means is any blood type, I can, oh, negative, I can give to all, right? Now, I may not want to be the universal blood type. I don't. I'm not keen on needles. I don't even like to see the stuff all that much, all right? So I could go through all sorts of things in my brain to say, I don't want to be the universal blood type. 
I don't want to give blood. I don't, you know, I don't feel like it. It doesn't sound like a good idea to me. <laughs> but here's the fact. It's in my DNA. I can't get rid of it. It's been given to me. I'm it. It's in my blood. I can't get it changed. I can't get rid of it. And it's the same with each of you as believers. The Holy Spirit is in you. You've been given the gift of that spirit and with it a spirit of love and a spirit of power and a spirit of self-discipline, self-control, a sound mind. It's your birthright. You can't get rid of it. It runs through your veins. And I I want that truth implanted deep within for this next year because God's going to call us to activity in the church and we're going to have to use that blood everywhere we go so that love, power, and discipline go through us. It's, it's there. It's inherent. You get what I'm saying? It's yours. <clears throat> so now we get to the actual action verb in the passage. First, 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Fan into flames the spirit, the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Fan into flames. If you'll allow me, just one Greek word for the day. Just one Greek word for the day, okay? The, the word for fan into flames, it's a double compound in Greek, and it's actually made of three smaller root words. Anna, A-N-A, just simply means in the midst of or among. Um, the second word is zoon, Z-O-O-N. We, get, we think of zoe, zoological, it's life. That's just the root word for life, uh, being, a living being. And the final compound in it, my personal favorite, pyre, P-Y-R. Any guesses? Fire. fire. All the men said, yes, bring the fire. So the word that Paul uses, essentially, in its compounds, you, you can't make a big thesis out of this, but it's, all its pieces, parts are this. Right in the midst of your human life, Fire. Bam. Fire. Continual. The verb tense, the Greeks have 16, Mark? I can't remember. A whole lot of verb tenses. More than we do. And the verb tense is this, present continuous action, which basically means I want fire increasing in the midst of your life all the time. What you do to keep fire going, keep continually being in the process of doing all the time and don't ever stop continuing to keep doing it. That's what it means. Just keep going. It's like this is your lifestyle, fire. <clears throat> if you think in the physical, okay, this will be the little bit, of, we'll get a little bit of feedback here. Scientists, get ready. It's going to be really fun. Or fifth graders. <laughs> you'll, you'll probably all get this. <clears throat> There are three elements required for fire, right? So shout one out. Oxygen is number one. Two, fuel, good, number two. And three, heat, heat or energy. Those three things are required to sustain fire. You take any one of those away and, uh, pardon the grammar, you ain't got no fire, okay? So if you're, if you're in your home and you're fortunate enough to have a, a real fireplace and you put some logs on, it was burning beautiful, and then you got sleepy and fell asleep or went and got a sandwich. You come back, you see, oh, there's just a tiny little ember, just a tiny little baby ember of 
of lights, just a little orange in there. And you, you want the fire to burn brighter. What are you going to do? Not so complicated, right? You're going to be, number one, aware. Awareness, attention, fire is going out, must act, right? And you're going to get down and you're going to just a little, just a little oxygen to feed the fire because it's an element required for fire to grow and to, to continue. And you're going to take a little piece of kindling, just a little piece of wood, and you're going to stick that wood on the fire while you're blowing and lo and behold, through the unbelievable providence of God, you have fire. That's how you keep a physical fire going. So Paul is saying to Timothy, you have a gift in you, and the gift is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now fan into flames, rekindle, keep going. In the midst of life, fire that gift all the time. So I thought it might be good to look at the fire tetrahedron. (laughs) I know you knew this was coming. So the fire tetrahedron, which honestly I didn't know existed until this morning when I googled it, the fire tetrahedron is you need these three things. You need heat, right? You need oxygen and you need fuel. And that results in some sort of activity, some sort of chain reaction. A fire that's burning, chain reactions keep happening, right? Continuous. The more fire, the more fuel, the more heat, the more oxygen. You see where we're going with that? Okay, that's the fire tetrahedron. I have made up this morning the Holy Spirit fire tetrahedron. Okay? And that's what, it lo- this, that's what this looks like. The, the heat is the Holy Spirit. Remember, you have it. It's already there. It's a gift. It's in you. You got the heat. All right? Feel it or not, it's there. You have the heat. This is the one you, you can't create. Isn't that great? If you feel a little spiritually cold you realize you already have one-third of what's required for spiritual combustion because God gave it to you as a gift. God will never let it go out. It's his job. It's his power. It's his Holy Spirit. It's his fire, right? There are some parts for us to to be a part of. And so the the two wings of the tetrahedron, just love that word. I'm going to call oxygen prayer, Okay? Oxygen is prayer. If if we're going to fuel the fire of our intimacy with the Holy Spirit, if we're going to fan into flames the gift of the Spirit that God's given to us, we've got to maintain our communication with God. We've got to use our life breath and communicate with God. Our life breath. Prayer is the oxygen that keeps the internal fire going. We've got to be connected with God. We've, we've got to continue in a, in, a, in a conversation, spiritual, mental, with God. We've got to stay, maintain that. If we lose uh, connection with God, I'm not saying the fire will go out, but there won't be flames. We'll be just adding fuel. You know how that is? You, you, see, you see a flame and you just throw a whole bunch of fuel on it, but there's no air. You know, where did it go? Right? That's our lives without prayer. That's our lives without prayer. The other side of the tetrahedron is action. So I'm saying fuel is action. Action is simple. Do what Jesus said. That's the action. Do what Jesus said. You say to yourself, Randy, 
You say to you, hey, Rand, however that works in your mind. You say, what did Jesus tell me to do? Well, I can give you a Bible today and you can find out. It's right there. Many of us, most of us, have a sense of God's call upon our lives. We know the next step of obedience. We know God's called us to a specific ministry, a, a, a ministry to the poor, a ministry of healing, a ministry of evangelism, what we do in our neighborhoods, what we do out in the workplace to represent Jesus. So the, the Holy Spirit fire tetrahedron, you already have the first part. You got the heat of the gift of God within you. In this year, 2015, I'm going to ask you consistently to be asking this question. Am I feeding my fire with prayer, maintaining my relationship with God, and am I acting on it? Am I obeying Jesus? In obedience, I'm not just saying, like, look through your life and find where you're sinning and repent. By all means, do that. But I'm saying, God, what would you have me do? Is there a neighbor of mine that needs to see and hear Jesus in my house this year? Is there someone at work who needs to experience the compassion of Jesus through me? Is there a family member that needs to be called back? Is there a step of forgiveness that needs to be taken? Is there a ministry action that God's called you to and you, but you feel the fear and you feel the timidity? This is a year of action. It's time to take a step. Prayer and action. Prayer is the oxygen. Action is the fuel. It's how we fan into flames the spiritual gift of the Holy Spirit within us. It's really not complicated. That doesn't mean it's easy. Because to pray when you're more of a doer is hard, right? And to do when you're more of a prayer, it's hard. And, and I think in many churches, like ours, there's kind of those vertical people, the prayers, and there's kind of those horizontal people, the doers. And guess what? That's where we're headed. That's our bullseye. Which one do we want to do this year? Yes. Right? So the prayer doesn't get to say, I pray you do. And the doer doesn't get to say, I do you pray. Because God's called us all to keep the flame burning to ignite, to rekindle the fire in your life, in the midst of it right now, fire. Maintain oxygen. Remember your connection uh, with God in prayer. What form of prayer will you go after this year? What will prayer look like for you? It doesn't have to be everyone. Not every form of prayer. Choose one. Work on silence this year. Work on intercession this year. Work on praying from the scriptures this year. Work on praying through liturgical prayers this year. Work on praying spontaneous prayers. You want to know how to pray? Come talk to me. I will send you all sorts of resources. I'll connect you with people. We're a praying church, right? We know how to do that. You don't have to go without knowing how to pray. Who's going to keep you accountable in your prayer life? You decide. You decide that. <clears throat> and then add fuel. Continual fuel, that's action. You have the heat. No matter how big or little the activity that God has called you to, step in. We already have 48 leaders and hosts for these small groups. 48 people said this year, I'll step in. I'll do it. Most of them said yes before they even know what the book was. <laughs> that's faith, right? 
Host said, yeah, I'll clean my house at least once a week. Why not? I'll take the risk of letting people know where I live. I'm not joking. I'll take the risk of letting people know where I live so I don't live in isolation. I'll invite my neighbors. In the, um, I connected six Pendleton family units this morning. They live in Pendleton. It's not that big. They didn't know each other. They, the Pendleton group, spontaneous combustion right there this morning. That's good, right? So what's your, what's, what's your action? What, what's God called you to do? Maybe it's just simply, I will step into a group for six weeks starting next Monday. I'll step into a group. That, if that's all you can do, start there. Because you know what that group represents? A friendly fire. A place where if you feel like I'm smoldered out, I got no oxygen, I got no fuel, it's got a wee little tiny flame here. Step into a friendly fire. Cozy up. I mean, it's, it, it, this is practical work. If you think about it, the action part, for me, the action part's harder than the prayer part. The, the fuel's harder than the, is more of a challenge than the oxygen. Because if you go up to a physical fire, I mean, you could basically get a bellows and shoot air from not too close, right? Like, well, I'm putting air. You don't give an air. I'm doing my part. But you can't do that with fuel. With fuel for that fire, you have to risk getting a splinter in your hand. Pick up the wood, feel it, smell it, lean down, get close to the fire. Risk being burned, right? Risk being burned again. So this is the invitation. Jesus is inviting us. He's already given us the gift of the fire. He's inviting us into a lifestyle, however it starts or continues for you, in prayer, maintaining your communication with God. And he's, he's called us into action. So I'm not saying this is the theme for 2015, but this is a theme that you'll hear me talk about. Prayer and action. What's God telling me to do? Am I doing it? What's God feeling about me? Am I living it out? What's God saying? How am I responding? If we don't keep our spiritual lives in flames with our prayer and with our action, the world won't see or feel the gift that God's put within us. Right? If we don't do our part, no condemnation here, this is an invitation into grace, but God's given us this, you know, this two-thirds. You come to me in prayer, that's your oxygen, and you do what I tell you to do. You act. You take a step of faith. That's your fuel. And I'll make the fire go. And that's how the people in Indianapolis will know that there is a loving Savior. Otherwise, we, we will look like everyone else. Cold, dead hearts. And it's not God's call for us. And you're not here at five till one on a Sunday morning if you want to live the next year with a cold, dead heart. That, you're not here for that. You're here because you want to be on fire. So, can you go back to my Holy Spirit tetrahexagon or whatever? <laughs> and this is what we get. We get a heart on fire. We get a heart on fire. It's because God's done his work and we've cooperated with him and we get a heart on fire. A heart on fire is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing to experience. It's a beautiful thing to be around. And what I love about fire is fire breeds fire. There's a lot of dry kindling out there. There's a lot of people waiting 
to be consumed by God's passion for them and God's calling us to be a part. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've done the greatest work. You've given us the Holy Spirit. I ask that you would affirm that in us this day. I ask God for grace, for faith, for courage, for accountable relationships, for honesty to walk in prayer and action this year, to take the steps of faith, to connect with you, to stumble even in our words of prayer that we might be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we know you fill us so that we'll overflow into this world. Lead us, God. Use us. And we pray that the fire burning at the vineyard here will go throughout central Indiana. We pray for other churches on fire. You give us grace to cooperate with them, other pastors, other ministries, other secret believers out there, Lord. Give them a safe place to be in the fire. Come with your kingdom, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If, um, if this morning you would like someone to pray for you, I'll ask the ministry team to come forward. We'd love to pray for you. If you've walked in this morning and you really don't know Jesus, then you don't have the gift, but God wants to give you the gift today. He wants to give you eternal life today. If you'd like to know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus, please come forward. Anyone on the ministry team here, Bush, I'll need some more up. Anyone on the ministry team here can, can tell you. <clears throat> Maybe you have never really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. You believe he's there. You, you think he's there, but you, you want an impartation. Come forward, let's pray for you. Or gather with the people you came with. We'll pray for an impartation of a, a palpable sense of the Holy Spirit. God longs to show his loving kindness to us and through us. So uh, you are released to come forward, to gather together and pray, to go right out to the table and sign up for a group and find some friendly fire out there. So go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen.